Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and what a win for the 49ers. Have you taken a chance to breathe yet? Have you gotten off the edge of your seat yet? It's been over 24 hours, and I somehow still need oxygen from the anxiety and the heart-pumping, pounding finish to the Niners versus Packers game in the divisional round where your San Francisco 49ers, despite maybe one of the ugliest wins in Kyle Shanahan's history as a head coach, get the victory in advance to the NFC Championship game. Thank you for joining us here today. Mick Mallow in the chat, Fluffy Ninja in the chat. We're celebrating, although it isn't a victory Monday, uh, in this case, we can call it so, a victory Monday carried over from the victory Sunday that was uh, following Saturday night's win against the Green Bay Packers, San Francisco advances to 6-4 all-time against the Packers in the playoffs. After a 10th game, they've been <laughs> a record-setting 10th game. And as Fluffy Ninja says, they were sweating bullets all game long. And look, uh, watching that game, I can almost guarantee you, you felt the exact same way I did, is that... Are we going to lose this game to the number 7th seeded Green Bay Packers? And look, it's not to discredit Green Bay. It's not to take them lightly. It's the fact that when you are the number 1 seeded 12-5 and five San Francisco 49ers with all pros everywhere, you expect more when you haven't played in essentially two weeks. And it felt like San Francisco came out flat, lackadaisical, and quite frankly, the Packers came to play, having already beat Dallas, and San Francisco was trying to find their footing figuratively, figuratively and literally the majority of this game, but they pulled it out, we can breathe, and it's going to be Niners hosting the Detroit Lions next Sunday in Santa Clara, NFC Championship, the third time, no, fourth time, excuse me, in the Shanahan era they've gone to the NFC Championship. Uh, let's make this the second time under Kyle Shanahan we go to the Super Bowl. But this game was a roller coaster ride. It was up, it was down, it was left, it was right, it was upside down, it was drunk, it was throwing up. This game was literally the amalgamation of everything that can go wrong for 54 minutes. And then in six minutes, it was everything that can go right if you are a Niner fan. Uh, and let's start pregame, because I do want to hit on this. That it is a testament to the culture in San Francisco. One, to 
grind out a win like this, but to see players like Solomon Thomas, uh, who plays elsewhere, is still in the league. To see Aziz Alshire, who watched his Titans fumble a season away and not go to the playoffs, watch his head coach just get fired. To see him in Santa Clara, at Levi Stadium, in the huddle with the linebackers, he no longer plays next to doing the clap and breaking things down. Uh, that cannot be overlooked. The culture that Shanahan and Lynch have built, albeit it hasn't resulted in getting a, a, a Lombardi trophy. Uh, my father said it reminds him of the DiBortolo uh, era where people wanted to come back here, whether they're playing somewhere else or they had retired. They want to be around the facility, around this team because it means something to them. This has been many players' first starts, uh, many players' best uh, stops in their career, and Shanahan and Lynch and uh, players, of course, are responsible for that. Uh, but that being said, like, again, Fluffy Ninja says in the comments here, uh, the Green Bay Packers are going to be a problem next season, and dare I say not just next season, uh, for a long time coming. Um... The Green Bay Packers in this game not just impressed me. Uh, if you're an NFC team like San Francisco, Detroit, uh, a team vying for the playoffs like the Cowboys and the Vikings next year, if Kirk Cousins comes back, um, the Green Bay Packers would mortify me. They have three, four young receivers, a very young quarterback that, albeit didn't play great in this game, uh, dare I say for a large portion of it was good enough to win, this game, um, having already knocked off Dallas last week, like Jordan Love looks like the next big thing if they can get this thing figured out for the offense and take that next step. The Packers look like a, a vaunted roster again that, that should be feared, and, and I, I would not put it past them to challenge the Lions next year uh, for the NFC North if they can, again, get that thing you know, kind of pristine and take the next step. Uh, but that being said, the first couple drives of this game for San Francisco felt exactly, exactly like the Philadelphia Eagles game this year at the link. Packers get the ball. They start things off. They they go 14 plays, 58 yards, take almost eight minutes off the clock. But what does the defense do? They bend. They don't break. Uh, in that drive was Amber Thomas's first defensive pass interference call, which will come back later in this game, of course. Uh, but they bend, don't break, and lo and behold, uh, Mooney Ward is the one, like the Eagles game, to break up the pass in the end zone on third and eight, and the, the, the Packers get a field goal, and again, free nothing. Okay, how is San Francisco going to respond? A run by CMC, a screen to Debo, Purdy almost throws a pick, and we're all sitting back like, is this going to be the Eagles game, or is it going to be the Ravens game on Christmas? And then Debo Samuel gets hurt, Purdy gets sacked, um, and then Mitch Wisnowski punts, and the rust is immediately showing. The timing is off. Everything looks like they hadn't played in two weeks, which they hadn't. Um, I was someone who thought that if there was going to be rust, it was going to be, you know, can they bring it physically? And had Debo Samuel, um, <laughs> like, had Debo Samuel not gotten hurt, I certainly think this game would have been entirely different. Um, but when it's the first drive of the game, your defense bends, don't break, you're feeling really good about yourself. Um, but once you lose your energy, we've seen over and over and over again that when this team loses Debo Samuel, they don't play as well. That being said, 
you have to give credit to the Niners to gut this thing out. Uh, the fact is, they won their first game this season when Debo Samuel plays less than 10 snaps. Uh, we heard all year long that can San Francisco play a game like this where it's not going great? Can Purdy play a game where he's off his game for 56 minutes, right? Can they tighten the screws when it matters most? And the start wasn't pretty. The beginning and the middle were not pretty. But when it mattered most, this team did the improbable. It wasn't pretty. It was ugly. But they pulled this thing out. Um, I do want to say this, and and Shane Dickerson is pointing this out in on Facebook, actually. Thank you, Shane, for joining us here. Um, if CMC had 20 carries, we win by 20. And Shane... I think you're spot on there. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that every Niner fan had frustrations saying, why do we have an MVP caliber running back who is likely going to an offensive player of the year, had over 20 touchdowns this season, and it feels like Shanahan's not utilizing him, right? Um, I do agree, though. It's 24 to 21. I think if we rode CMC like we should in almost every single game, now... We don't know exactly where his health is. He was getting his quad worked on, his calf worked on, his hamstring worked on. We had no idea what exactly the reasoning for those um, those things were. But, yes, had CMC carried the ball 20-plus times, if not more, in this game, uh, there is no doubt in my mind San Francisco would have had this game in the bag at a much earlier point been what a minute and a half a minute and 15 left in the fourth quarter but that being said they didn't do so which goes into maybe part of the problem of this game where um well yes the confidence is still high right there's no reason as to why we should doubt the number one seeded san francisco 49ers against the lions this next week um i also think that we have to be honest like you can't leave this game and just go yep i have unwavering confidence in my team and the question is, okay, like, you don't have to have that, but you have to be realistic here, because there are some problems showing, whether it's Ambry Thomas on defense, whether it is just simply Kyle Shanahan uh, not calling his best game when it matters. Now, again, you lose Debo, your offense gets hindered and hampered here or there, uh, which Shanahan has said in the past, mainly in 2021, that... You know, I wasn't in my groove uh, early in the year, which cost us. Uh, now, that was different quarterbacks, no CMC. Like, there's players now that can kind of make up for Shanahan's uh, off games, shall I say. Um, but you have to be honest here that Shanahan was not having a great game. There is no excuse as to why CMC didn't have the ball, you know, 15 to, to, to 12, 13 times in the first half alone. In fact, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, he'd only ran the ball 11 times. Like, what? what is that? Like, if your quarterback, which glaringly was struggling early in this game, now I trust Purdy, but when your quarterback, second-year pro, right, he's been to the playoffs twice, he should be ready for this moment, is struggling, maybe it's the rain, he had the glove on, took it off. If he is not having his best outing, wouldn't you want to kind of use that safety blanket of a Chris McCaffrey who you know can kind of beat teams or beat defenses by himself on most days? Um, and it just felt like Shanahan wanted to buck the trend and go against the grain for maybe three and a half quarters. Now, 
to Shanahan's credit, when it mattered most, uh, CMC was getting the ball, right? You go to the last drive of the game for San Francisco, about, what, six minutes left on the clock, bootleg to Jennings, run by CMC, check down CMC, run by CMC, and CMC touchdown, like, they were targeting CMC late in the game when it mattered most, right? But early in the game, uh, and let's again be honest here, if San Francisco plays as bad as they did in the first half against the Lions, um, you don't want to admit this, but that game could get really ugly. Now, thankfully, again, the defense plays Ben Don't Break, and you kind of sit back and say, whew, like, you know, this may have been our mulligan. You don't get these very often, right? Uh, how many teams in the playoffs can say, we may have played our worst game of the season and still won? and are still going to the NFC Championship game. Like, we did not play our best ball for 54 minutes and still eked that one out, right? And for San Francisco, you now have that claim. You now have that title of, hey, we didn't play great, but we won. And it's a game where on Monday morning or Sunday, whenever they're in the facility next, it's a game where every single player should be pissed off in how they played maybe outside of Fred Warner and Ray Greenlaw and Lenore and maybe Jawan Jennings. Like, George Kittle dropped some passes. Ayuk wasn't great in this game. Um, it feels like that you come in angry in how you performed and looking for every direction of how to fix it. Because the next game is going to be 10 times tougher. You're playing the best, second best team in the NFC, riding high, uh, granted not going to be in Detroit again, but be in Santa Clara, right? But the Lions are playing with house money. They have the entire world behind them. Nobody wants to see the Chiefs win a Super Bowl or the Ravens win, and nobody that's an AFC fan, or excuse me, NFC fan, wants to see the San Francisco 49ers win. We have to admit to ourselves, we are now the villains of the NFC remaining, and everybody's rooting for the Lions, and San Francisco now has to defend their home field and play a great ball for 60 minutes. Um, but it felt like the Packers early in the game were getting almost everything they wanted. Uh, players were falling left and right, and eventually it leads to the end of the first quarter, where Green Bay has seven first downs, over 100 yards, and has possessed the ball for nearly an entire quarter, 11 minutes and 47 seconds. Meanwhile, San Francisco has one first down, 22 yards, and just over three minutes of time of possession. It's not great, but what, again, does San Francisco's team do? What does the defense do? Bend, don't break. Maybe Green Bay gets a bad spot on the on the third down run by Jones, where he's stuffed, it's third and one. The refs are like, okay, it's fourth and inches, quarterback sneak, and who gets in there and blows it up? Eric Armstead and Dre Greenlaw. Um, Dre Greenlaw had a phenomenal game in this game. Fred Warner was everywhere from the first drive of the Packers and on. Those two guys, dare I say, were the MVP of the Niners in this one. I get CMC had two touchdowns, had a great game himself, but when you point to two players that I can honestly say saved the, the, the Niners' season, it's Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Now, now, they're paid to do so, but in the biggest moments, those two guys showed up. Imagine if the Packers had access to the middle of the field. This game is over. 
like Mick Mallow says here, Greenlaw is the backbone of the defense. And, and, and look, Mick, you're right. Like in this game, at least, you know, we, we can all clown Greenlaw for, you know, the penalties and, you know, playing to the third and fourth whistle sometimes, right? But in games like this, where it's how aggressive can you be? How can you, you know, be physically imposing on smaller receivers and on Aaron Jones and on Jordan Love? Warner and Greenlaw controlled the line of scrimmage in this game. They controlled in between the hashes, and they were giving nothing away to Jordan Love. It was, if you're going to beat us, it's going to be deep and outside the numbers. Now, it almost worked. It almost worked, mind you. But uh, Greenlaw and Armstead uh, stuff, and they stop the Packers on the quarterback sneak again. Ben, don't break. The score is still 3 to nothing. Then San Francisco gets things going. Uh... Purdy takes his gloves off, and okay, here comes the business, right? And again, there were still some weird, like weird plays where he was bouncing balls, he was skipping balls, timing looked like it was off. It looked like a number one seeded baseball team hadn't played against live pitching in a month. Where we're like, how did this happen? Go to the Braves this past playoffs. It was like their timing is off. They have all stars everywhere. And they just look like they have not played a game in forever, which that was the case. And that same thing happened on Saturday for San Francisco. But let's highlight here a one of Purdy's, if not his best throw, one of his best throws all day long. Play action. Purdy to Kittle. Runs to his right. He's got two guys deep and puts a perfect ball 32 yards downfield. The perfect answer to your defense stopping. You steal momentum back from Green Bay. You stop them on, on, on defense, and you get the ball, and you run it right over their head to, to George Kittle for 32 yards for a touchdown pass. Caps off a 12-play, 86-yard, nearly six-minute drive. Purdy goes four for eight, 67 yards, one touchdown. Kittle has two catches, 41 yards, and one touchdown, and you get the lead back. You're feeling great right now. Like, at this moment, it was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. This is going to be when momentum begins. This is when the offense gets going. Kyle gets in his bag. Purdy settles down. The offense, without Debo still, mind you, starts to kind of feel itself and rekindle the magic they had in the regular season. The defense, again, does its job. Bend, don't break. Ten plays later... For the Packers, defense, they don't break. Uh, this is the Lenore drive of the game. About a minute and 15 seconds, he was involved in three consecutive plays where Love scrambles, Lenore pushes him inbounds, he goes out of bounds, then there's a big skirmish breaks out, uh, both teams get called for a penalty, and the very next play, uh, Lenore blows up Dontavian Wick, just bam, thunts him as hard as he can, stuffs him, then the very next play, <laughs> um, or excuse me, two plays later, Lenore, doing his best Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw impression, is at the line of scrimmage stuffing Aaron Jones, who probably has 60 pounds on him, and he's saying, I'm a dog too, I'm the hyena, don't forget who I am. I might be a nickel cornerback undersized for that role, but I can thump as hard as the linebackers can too. Like, Lenore in this game was phenomenal. There are some people saying that 
Uh, he wasn't good. Uh, I think San Francisco's coverage in this game, besides Amber Thomas, mind you, like Mooney Ward was good. Lenore was good. Now, some guys fell down and, and that happens. Like, I don't know who was doing the cleats and the, the like who was fixing their cleats to help them prepare for the rain. Uh, they were not good in this game, mind you. Uh, but outside of falling down and Ambry Thomas, I thought the secondary was pretty okay. Now, run defense, a different question here. Jair Brown didn't start. Logan Ryan got the start, and he was atrocious on run defense. Uh, on Aaron Jones's what seemed to be the game-clinching, uh, or at the time, the game-clinching run to get Green Bay in, you know, in the red zone or near the red zone, uh, Ryan just mistimed his tackle, took out his own guy in the process. Um, I would not be surprised if Jair Brown is back starting or at least being mixed in uh, next week against the Lions because Logan Ryan played that bad. Um, I think it will be important to have Jair Brown play strong safety and Sean Gibson play free safety, giving Ambry Thomas some help over the top on most plays because, oh my goodness, how atrocious was he was. But besides those two examples of falling down and and, and Thomas... Um, like, I thought San Francisco's defense was, again, they got gashed for explosive plays, gotta clean those up, when it mattered most, when the field gets short, they showed up, um, so, Green Bay, it's a field goal, you have the lead, 7-6, to six, okay, you got time on the clock still, you have plenty of time on the clock, you got four minutes left, how you feeling, and it's so funny, and I get it, Situations are different, right? Uh, the way this game ended is it almost exactly how the first half ended. F roughly four-ish minutes left in the end of the game, fourth quarter, in the end of the second quarter, and you're feeling good here. You get the ball to begin the second half, you can score here at halftime, whether it's a field goal, you hope it's a touchdown, and you can lap the Packers and make this game 21-6 to at best, right? What does Kyle Shanahan do? So we already established he's not feeding Chris McCaffrey. He's not running the football, which again, in itself makes no sense knowing you do not have the best pass protection on your offensive line, which was really bad in this game besides Trent Williams. But you have one of the best run blocking units in the entire NFL with the best running back, the league's leading rusher and leading touchdown getter and you aren't utilizing them, but then on this drive, where you can be aggressive, you can lap Green Bay, you can almost, in a weird way, put this one away, Shanahan gets this ultra-conservative mindset, and it's run by CMC, uh, small pass to Jennings, run by CMC, check down, a screen pass where use check doesn't block, but CMC still gets five yards, uh, and you're sitting there like, okay, like, we're making steady you know, movement up the field. You know, how, what's the next aggressive play going to be? You have to score here at least, at least get a field goal, or at least put yourself in a position to take a handful of shots to the end zone, then settle for a field goal. And I have in my notes, and I apologize if my mic's clip here, but it says, Shanahan Clock Management, what are you doing? What are you doing, Kyle Shanahan? You have not learned since 2019. How are you playing this conservative? You waste 40 seconds 
from a run by CMC to the next play. Just call a timeout. Give yourself a minute and 15 seconds to work with on your opponent's side of the field. You go from 1 minute and 14 seconds to 34 seconds on the clock, and you have an MVP candidate quarterback in Brock Purdy. An MVP candidate, likely offensive player of the year winner in Chris McCaffrey with an all-pro George Kittle and a second-team all-pro Brandon Ayuk, and you decide to get the most conservative mindset in the biggest game of the season? Can somebody explain to me what is going on? I mean, I'm sitting there pulling my hair out. I'm 27 years old. I'm about to make myself go bald and have to buy some Jester Men or some Keeps to fix the patches in my hair due to my own frustration. Like, oh my goodness, Shanahan's going to get conservative and fumble this bag for us because he has not learned since 2019. The next play quick out the Jennings, he stays inbound, you're like, oh my goodness, timeout, 28 seconds left, they call a check down, 28 seconds to 14 seconds, they spike the ball, they have one play, because they weren't aggressive to get themselves either in the red zone, or in the end zone, and what happens, Purdy throws the ball away, and we're sitting back saying, we wasted a perfect opportunity, our offense had just scored seven points. Our defense just stopped the Packers for a second time in the red zone. It's seven to six. Now is our chance to take advantage. We can stuff them here. We can start shredding that cheese right now in the second quarter. And it felt like at that moment, because it leads to one of the more, like when they called out Jake Moody, and they got no yards, and they had one timeout still in the bag. You can't carry him over, Kyle. Take a chance, my friend. I get it. If the play isn't there, whatever. But that's why you don't waste 40 seconds. I don't understand the mindset of, you know, don't want to give Green Bay the ball back. Your defense just stopped them nearly three times in a row. Like, bank on those guys to hold up. They've done it the entire first half. There's the reason you had the lead because your offense ain't doing jack squat. You have all these stars on offense. Go score a touchdown or at least put Jake Moody in position to have a chip shot field goal to make it easier for him, right? What do they do? Nope. Jake Moody about 48 yards for a field goal. It gets blocked. And you just sit back and say, yeah, Kyle, that's karma. You deserve to miss the field goal. You deserve to get the field goal blocked because of the idiocracy of that play calling and your clock management. But you say, okay, we didn't score there. We'll get him in the second half. You had us in the first half. We'll get you in the second half, right? No! Back-to-back -back drives, they waste the chance to get seven or waste the chance for a chip shot field goal. The next drive coming out of halftime... You're thinking, great, we have a chance. We didn't score there, we'll score here. You have 15, 20 minutes to settle everybody down, you know, regroup your thoughts, put a scripted drive together for your offense that still has these stars. And the first play is a shotgun handoff to Jawan Jennings. And in my comments, I say, what the hell's going on? That play hasn't been called <laughs> all year long. And I get it. It's supposed to be Debo Purdy called the play wrong. But even George Kittle himself said, I looked over and said, why is Juwan in the backfield? 
Like, the players were astonished that that was the play call. That that was what happened. Like, and you're sitting back like, oh my goodness. Like, what is transpiring in front of my eyes at Levi Stadium? The next play, Purdy finds McLeod. Third and five, Purdy gets pressured. Can't find Ayuk. Back-to-back disastrous drives for San Francisco to at least at least take a 13-6 lead and make this thing a 7-point game. Wasted opportunities. And at this point, my blood pressure is rising. I'm sure yours is too. The anxiety is creeping up like, oh my goodness. Like, like, this feels like a game where the number one seed gets upset. You get that pit feeling in your chest and your stomach. And you're like, I am going to be sick. It's early. In the second half, mind you, but you just start to feel a little ill. Then this is when the Packers make their run. And you just start to you start to want to throw up in your mouth. You're just like, oh my goodness. Because San Francisco's defense, once again, thanks to an Aaron Jones fumble, which Green Bay recovered, right? Puts them at second and like 25, whatever it was. They hit a check down, and it sets up third and 15. And I look to my friend Mark, and, 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 and I go, third and 15, playoff game. It's not like our defense hasn't given up one of those before. And he goes, well, the Packers don't have Tyreek Hill. And I look to him, and I say, they don't need Tyreek Hill. We have Ambry Thomas. <laughs> like, that's all the Packers are going to need to win this game. And lo and behold, what happens? And I want to make this abundantly clear. Ambry Thomas, after the bye week, was playing really, really good football against the Jaguars. It's the fumble recovery. Like, he has been someone that, albeit hasn't been great, has been reliable enough to claim himself to be a starting caliber cornerback, right? He'll have trouble against the, the bigger guys like DK Metcalf here or there, or, you know, now against a player... If they go to the Super Bowl, if they're playing the Ravens, a, a bigger, stronger guy like OBJ or Bateman. Um, but he should be able to guard players like Tyler Lockett, Jaden Reed. Um, he'll have a tough time against Christian Watson. He should be able to guard Romeo Dobbs, mind you. But recently, he's been a liability. He has kind of worked his way back in kind of the midway between of who he was in 2021 and who he is now in 2024. Where you're like, there's still some good play in there, but overall, you may cost us a playoff win, right? And for Thomas here, on 3rd and 15, all you're saying is keep the guy in front of you. Uh, Green Bay, their entire plan is going to try to be, if the first read's not there, draw a penalty. Essentially, tell Jordan Love, throw it up. That'll be the punt that we're going to have to take anyways if there's nothing there. What does Jordan Love do? Throws it up on 3rd and 15, albeit Ambry Thomas was beat. He's looking at the ball, and he gets there like two seconds early, and you just take your head, and you put it in your hands, because we just gave them a free 41 yards due to Ambry Thomas, setting them up to score some points, and the very next play, Bo Melton gets a little bubble, Goes out to the end zone. Uh, Jair, or excuse me, uh, Gibson falls down. Bing, bang, boom. Green Bay has the lead. And it's 13-7. to 7. 
they uh and, and, and you just sit back and, and you just say like we are going to lose this game like okay how are you going to respond after Abby Thomas on his two DPIs it's third and six you give them 13 yards put Green Bay on your own 13 it's third and 15 you give them 41 yards put you on your own 19 like how are you going to make up for that disaster you give them a free 41 yards on a 75 yard drive like yikes thankfully when the defense breaks the offense comes alive right chris mccaffrey does chris mccaffrey things right uh, check down to cmc and pretty misses him then it's third and six kittle for two plays in this game both his catches early or two of his three catches early go for 32 yards a pop right gets 32 yards and the very next play cmc breaks a nearly 40 yard run and we are back in business. 14-13 takes only four plays for the Niners to answer. Uh, Chris Conley had a great block on the run. There was some kind of talk of, did Brock Purdy check into the run? If he did, uh, it's a pretty good job. <laughs> it's a pretty good job right there for the Niners. But you have the lead back. And this is where the haymakers are going left and right. It feels like Rocky in Apollo Creed. Who's going to win? And you're just saying, at the end of the day, who's going to be yelling, Adrian! And it felt like it was going to be the Packers because on the very next opening kick, Nixon takes it 73 yards because the guys that were supposed to contain the edge, Jordan Mason and company, one of them falls down into the other one, Right? And Nixon takes it 73 yards, fumbles the ball like 15 yards forward, and somehow Green Bay recovers it too. And that, had Green Bay won the game, that would have been one of the greatest fumble recoveries in the history of the NFL. You give Wilson on that Packers unit a lot of credit. Running full speed for the ball, dives on it mid-stride. That was impressive. Then run by Jones... Dobbs 15 yards, run by Jones, Tucker Craft touchdown, which as soon as they lined up, had three guys to the right, I go, quick out to the side of the end zone, don't care who it's going to be, that's going to be a touchdown pass. And lo and behold, it was, they get a two-point conversion, and you're sitting back down seven. 21 to 14, only took four plays, a 20-yard drive, set up by a 73-yard kick return, and again... You're sitting back saying, how are we going to answer that? Because if they have momentum, they're feeling good. The offense is riding high. Our special teams have had a kick blocked and gave up that large of a return. We are not having our best game. What does the offense do well? Um, the offense in itself goes three and out, but it starts on the opening kick for San Francisco. As Trent Williams is walking onto the field, Packers guys are getting in his face. He love taps Owens. He flops, oh, you know, the Wilhelm scream, right? In front of the ref, and the ref is like, that's a flag. And you're like, is this Chris Paul? Is this James Harden out there? You're looking right at the play. The ref is... If I'm the ref, the play is right in front of me. It's where you are. And I'm like, I can see right in front of me who instigates 
how lightly that touch was, unless Trent Williams is built and has muscle like the Incredible Hulk, where a finger flick can shove someone three yards back and their arms go flailing in the air. Which, Trent's a strong guy, mind you. I don't think he's the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> the ref sees it, throws a flag, it sets San Francisco back like 10, 15 yards, alley thrown 10 yard line, and you're just like, uh oh. Purdy almost throws the pick here, and again, we'll get into Brock Purdy and, and how bad and kind of season-saving he was towards the end of this one, but uh, um, second time in this game, he overthrows a player that had the Packers been able to catch the ball, uh, we would be sitting here with the big fat L being sad, depressed, and waiting for another Niner season to begin. Um, and thankfully... For the Packers, um, it was like their hands are made of melted cheese. It was like the football gods said, um, I'm going to save you from your recklessness and, and inability in the rain to make plays. And lo and behold, the football gods answered our questions. The gods of Vince Lombardi, he was like, I'm shining down on you today through the rain at Levi Stadium. They go three and out. You get lucky. Um, the next drive, you have to answer the Packers get the ball on their own 38-yard line. Third and 11. Jordan Love pulls a Brett Favre against the Saints with the Vikings. He just throws it off his back foot right into the hands of Dre Greenlaw. Gets his first pick of the game. And you're sitting there and you're saying, oh, we're back, baby. We're back. We have the ball at Green Bay's 48-yard line. And you're thinking, okay, now is our chance. And just like halftime begins with a Jawan Jennings run, I don't know if it was a broken play, which maybe it was the case, but it certainly felt like Shanahan, or maybe there was miscommunication here, that they call a read option for Brock Purdy, which he's not run all year long. And you're like, so we're running plays that aren't even in the playbook. It was like they went to page 12 of a 12 play playbook in which you never go to play 12 or, or or page 12 and he was like you know what let's try some new things today let's get desperate and run with a i don't want to say he's immobile but not the guy you want to be out there taking hits right not the guy that you want to be out there running freely on a read option play if he was lamar josh allen Mahomes, Kyler Murray, do what you want. Brock Purdy's a quick guy. 10-yard split, you know, whatever, right? But I'd rather him not be out there as a free target to destroy by a hard-hitting Packers defense wanting to stop your offense. It goes for one yard. Ayuk drops the next ball. A third and nine, Ayuk makes at the time what felt like, and by all means may have been a season-saving catch, at the shoestring, at the shoelace, an amazing catch, and we're saying, we got this. Like, we're just surviving, but we got it. Purdy, incomplete to CMC, and it, the rhythm just goes out the building, right? Then Kittle, like, he gets bumped off his route, which I guess it's funny enough because he gets bumped off the route in this game, no flag, but then yesterday in the Chiefs and Bills game, the same thing happened happened to a Chiefs receiver near the exact same yard line, and the Bills got called for a DPI. So um, that's weird for me, but whatever. Incomplete pass. Third and ten, they scramble. 
And of all people, and I sat back as this game continued, and I said, if this game comes down to a Jake Moody made field goal and an Anders Carlson missed field goal, it will be the biggest irony example I've ever seen. Because all the concern was, we have one weakness, and it's Jake Moody. That's the only thing standing in our way. And to give credit, uh, Jake Moody, Legatron Jr., as I call him sometimes when he's making kicks, right? Um, nails a 52-yard field goal and makes this a four-point game. 21-17, San Francisco. The pressure's mounting. It, this, is, this is it, right? You go seven plays, 14 yards, two minutes and six seconds. The offense doesn't look great, but you get the field goal. And here we go. Packers drive, right? Here goes the Packers drive. End around to read for two yards. Quick out. Ambry Thomas makes a nice tackle. Third and two. Packers get confused. Love incomplete pass. It's a stop. You get the punt. You have to score here. What does the offense do? Literally nothing. They punt the ball. Now, this is the drive in which Juwan Jennings makes that incredible catch. He goes up and you're saying, third and Juwan, baby. That's what we need. That's what we have to have here. Guys that usually aren't making plays coming in clutch in big moments. No Debo, but we still got ourselves Benny Jennings, third and Juwan out there making exceptional plays when it matters most. And on this exact same drive, San Francisco continues to put themselves in second and long and third and long. And on third and 10, I think we got one of the biggest examples of Brock Purdy's frustrations in this game. There's been a ton of celebrating this year, very little frustration for this team. But to me, this throw, third and 10, McLeod cuts to the outside, defender falls down, um... It looked like Purdy was throwing to a spot on the field. McLeod kind of stayed there, then dove for the ball where Purdy was throwing it. And we see Brock Purdy, clear as day, screaming at McLeod saying, What are you doing? Then they cut to the sideline. They're chatting it up. They're going over the play again because there's obviously miscommunication, but it does seem like when there's no Debo. When this team has to rely on guys like Juwan Jennings and McLeod, who are good third and fourth options when you have Debo and Ayuk on the field, right? But when, when, when there's no Debo, Ayuk's getting double covered, Kittle's getting double covered, and you have to rely on McLeod and Jennings to make said plays. And go back to the Vikings game where Purdy throws that second pick and it's abundantly clear the timing's off. Purdy is throwing to a spot he knows Ayuk and Debo would get to. But guys like Jennings and McLeod, who are likely in that you know, second team rep category, are not prepared and don't have the chemistry with him to make those plays, to know where the ball is going to be. And on this play, third and 10, McLeod did not get to that spot. It pisses Purdy off. And Purdy's like, what are you doing? Um... They punt, and thankfully, again, Vince Lombardi, the football god, reigns down supreme on San Francisco. The first play, 53-yard run by Aaron Jones. All the talk of, we're going to get Eric Armstead back, and our, our run defense is going to be fixed. No, 
This was the first time in 50-plus games San Francisco has given up a 100-yard rusher. Aaron Jones goes 53 yards down the field on a cutback, a pitch to the left, cutback to the right. First 100-yard rusher in 51 games, then Armstead goes offsides. Wilson hurdles Mooney Ward for a first down, and you're like, uh-oh. Like, this is going to be the drive where we get our season put away. But the defense, once again, holds up. Uh, uh, play action to Kraft, doesn't get much. Run by Jones, stuffed. And Steve Wilkes, on third and eight, of all the talk of, you blitzing too much against the Vikings, zero blitz. They get a touchdown at halftime. You, you, you get out of the booth, come to the field. He only calls two blitzes the entire game. One of them being in the biggest moment where you have to have a win. You have to get a stop. And Steve Wilkes calls a blitz. Love throws an incomplete pass, setting up an Anders Carlson miss field goal. And we're sitting there like, the season is saved. We have a chance. We have an opportunity to pull this thing out. I'm on Twitter. I'm on X going freaking nuts. Like, here we go. Here we go. We're going to steal this game. It's 27-17. You have to get a win. They go boot like the Jennings. Run by CMC. Third and one. Quarterback sneak. Check down to CMC. Then boom on second five. Kittle drops the ball. And you're like, uh-oh. This, this is going to be third and five here. You, this is a two-down territory, but you have to have the game. Third and five. Purdy hits an amazing slant on Ayuk. Has an amazing... Amazing catch, diving for the ball. The defender's hand probably saves the season because it gets under the ball, stopping a drop from Ayuk. The Packers are helping San Francisco. The next play, Purdy hits a post route to Chris Conley, of all people, to save the season. It's a massive big-time throw, then boom, hits Kittle. Then boom, hits CMC on a run. Then a swing pass to CMC. Doesn't get out of bounds, but it helps San Francisco. Purdy scrambles the next play, then on third and one, you say, okay, get a first down here, fall down, waste some more time. Chris McCaffrey says, no, I'm Thanos. I'm going to do this myself and scores a touchdown, giving the San Francisco 49ers the lead on a 12-play, 69-yard over five-minute drive where Purdy goes six for seven, 47 yards, Carries the ball twice for 11 yards. He himself has 58 yards on the game-winning drive, setting up San Francisco to win this game. But look, we've been in this position before. You cannot give the Packers too much time. And we're sitting there saying, it's not Brady, it's not Rodgers, but the way this game has gone, and Ambry Thomas taking DPIs, now he's so scared to get beat up top, he's playing 10 yards off Romeo Dobbs. He's going to give them free quick outs for first downs, and they're going to march down the field, and they're going to win this game, aren't they? I am biting my nails, I am pulling my hair out, I am pulling the couch and pulling the cushions apart, I am this foaming at the mouth, hoping we can win this game. On fourth down, or excuse me, on first down, they're marching. There's 51 seconds left. Green Bay's marching, and Jordan Love gets pressured, throws a pick right to Dre Greenlaw, sealing a victory. We're all yelling, get down, get down, get down. 
But at this point, it doesn't matter. We know we have secured a victory. We have escaped defeat. We have escaped what seemed like the inevitable. And we have finally, finally been able to relax for the first time in nearly 59 minutes. This was a gutted out. We need everybody. And for the first time all season, this Niners team led by Brock Purdy has not only won a game where Debo Samuel only plays less than 10 snaps, but for the first time under Kyle Shanahan, they are now 1-31, and getting their first win trailing by 5-plus points in the fourth quarter. They have thrown that stat in our face for so long. They have questioned, can Brock Purdy make the fourth quarter comeback? He only has one in his career against the Raiders last year down there at Allegiant Stadium against Jared Stidham. But in the biggest stage so far this year against the Green Bay Packers at home where nothing is going your way, Brock Purdy nuts the frick up and leads this offense down for a touchdown and you sit back and you just say, this game feels like one you're going to tell your kids. Uh, remember when we almost lost in the first round against the Packers and somehow found a way to win? That pushed us to be able to go out there and potentially win a Super Bowl. This feels like one of those games. Now, look, I'm 27 years old. I have never seen my Niners win a freaking Super Bowl. But this feels like one of those games Kind of like the catch game where Montana throws three picks and they find a way to win. Now, I'm not comparing Montana to Purdy. Not doing that. Just saying great teams, elite teams find a way to win when everything seems lost. How many times do we see Brady do this? How many times do we see Mahomes do this? It might look different. It might look a lot different. But all that matters is you win the game. A win is a win. There's a lot to be worried about, a lot to complain about, right? But the fact of the matter is, you win the game, you survive, you give your team another chance to go out there and beat the Lions next Sunday. And again, show the world that, hey, we are one of the elite teams in football. Don't forget, because we played one off game, that we weren't 12-5 and this year and had the NFC wrapped up come week 17. Don't forget that. And there's no rain uh, in the forecast for this weekend. You give me a dry field with Brock Purdy. He looks like Debo Samuel's 50-50 if he's going to play. Got hurt in this game, but it looks like, as reports would say, there is no fracture in his shoulder. And it seems like if all goes well, uh, he'll be a game-time decision. Uh, now, Kyle Shanahan should talk later this evening. We'll see indeed what he does. But uh, as of this moment, it seems like Debo Samuel is going to be okay. And look, it's Debo. I have a hard time thinking uh, he's going to let a shoulder non-fracture stop him from playing in a playoff game against Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, which... Uh, they got some beef, um, so I would expect him to play. But that being said, uh, even though San Francisco has won this game, even though, you know, Brock Purdy was darn near perfect on the end of the drive, last game-winning drive of the game for San Francisco, 
Um, it feels like the bag is so mixed, which I get it, right? Um, he was not good in this game. Brock Purdy was not good in this game. When you point to almost two picks, uh, the timing was off. It looked like that he just didn't have it, whether it was the rain or his smaller frame. Like, there is some credence to the idea that a smaller guy with smaller hands is going to have a tougher time playing in the elements. Snow, rain, sleet, whatever it is. And Brock Purdy has seemingly found himself in that position two times in the last three games he's played, uh, with the outlier being against Washington. Now, again, uh, I have not lost faith in Brock Purdy by any means, although it does seem like at some point in this game, we were all sitting back like, oh, you know, you lose this game, we might need to have a conversation about Brock Purdy, but that all seemed to be, you know, for not, because what does he do? He does what Jordan Love couldn't do. Jordan Love had every opportunity to put this game away. Every opportunity. The final... 18 minutes and 43 seconds of this game from the Packers final drive of the third quarter after a Niners punt Jordan Love went just 6 for 11 30 yards and two interceptions meanwhile Brock Purdy back against the wall need one drive to win goes 6 for 7 47 yards two carries 11 yards on the ground and leads his team to a game winning touchdown drive that's what separates experience from non-experience, and that's what also makes Brock Purdy so special. In a game where the bigger-bodied guy, the maybe the, the better arm talent, should be able to put that game away, uh, Brock Purdy said, "Look, like I'm going to outbest you in the elements. I'm going to put together a perfect drive to secure a win, um, and you hope that momentum, albeit not a pretty game, that momentum." carries over into this week and into the Lions game because, my goodness, um, this was a sweated-out kind of victory. This was, I'm angry, I'm bitter, but you're so relieved that your heart has not stopped racing for the past two days. Like, it's Monday morning at 11.30 a.m. on the West Coast, and I still cannot believe what I just saw on Saturday night. Um, I do want to give credit to uh, Juwan Jennings in this game. He was the definition of clutch Six targets, five catches, four first downs, 61 yards receiving. He was taking it to the Packers, whether it was on the field or on the sideline in this game, unafraid. He is a DAWG dog. You know that. I know that. He looked phenomenal in a game where you ain't got Debo. You got to have someone step up. Jawan Jennings stepped up and showed out on one of the biggest stages of the season. Um, Demo Lenore, he was, I mean, lock freaking down. Eight yards allowed on four targets, 56.3 pass rating allowed against him, no touchdowns, and a 78.8 PFF coverage grade. Um, again, it takes all of us to win games like this. It takes every single player. All 46 active players have to play their part. Jake Moody, 52-yard field goal. Demo Lenore making insane great plays all game long. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. At the last minute, Brock Purdy, Juwan Jennings, George Kittle, and of course, Chris McCaffrey. It takes everybody to win a Super Bowl. And if it takes a grinded out, sweated out, 
you know, path to victory every single game. And that means hoisting the sixth Lombardi trophy. By all means, give it to me. I will sit there as a non-participant and be on the edge of disaster every single time and pull it out last minute if it means winning the sixth Lombardi trophy in franchise history and the first in my lifetime. Um, that being said, there was some negative things. Ambry Thomas being a massive one. There is no fix there, unfortunately. You're not benching him for Isaiah Oliver, who he was starting for, because Oliver also got benched. You're not putting Daryl Luter Jr. in to start in his first real starting action ever in a playoff game against the Lions. You are riding and dying with Ambry Thomas. Now you can give him some help up, up the top. I'm saying put Jair Brown in that strong safety, move Gibson over to free safety, give Thomas some help over the top. Um, and also Jair Brown should help in the running game for uh, or against the Lions, Jameer Gibbs, Montgomery, they're great back there. Jameer Gibbs is one of the best in the league at making people miss and fighting for extra yards. And if you want to stop Amon Ross St. Brown, you have to secure tackles. Um, although Jair Brown's had his own uh, missed tackles this year, uh, the way Logan Ryan played against the Packers, I think you've kind of played himself off the field. So I would start Jair Brown, but Amy Thomas is there to stay for at least this season in San Francisco. Uh, but also, many folks who don't want to blame Brock Purdy are pointing to the offensive line not playing well, in which that is the case. Uh, I think San Francisco was kind of manhandled on the line of scrimmage all game long, which doesn't look too well knowing who you're playing this Sunday in Detroit. Um, or against Detroit, excuse me. But the offensive line allowed 18 pressures, 14 hurries, three quarterback hits, and one sack. Uh, that cannot happen against the Lions. You are going to lose. Uh, you have to clean things up, play better. And on defense, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Gregory, Hargrave, Armstead. It was like they didn't even exist. Bosa had the best game of that grouping, obviously he should. He's the reigning DPOY for a reason. But I was sitting there like, where are the sacks? Where are the pressures? And I get it, Jordan Love is a little more mobile than Jared Goff. But my goodness, you have to force players like that off and out of the pocket. Make them make plays uh, by themselves. Now, Jordan Love again isn't Jared Goff. Uh, you can... You can afford for Goff to be out of the pocket more than Love. Love can make more plays, but against Jared Goff, you want to be able to get him out of the pocket, beat the Detroit offensive line, which is a great unit so far this year. Might be the best in the entire league outside of Dallas. Uh, if you're San Francisco, you got to have the players you're paying elite money. Bosa, Hargrave, Armstead, and the guys you traded for, Gregory and Young, you have to make them. You have to ingrain in them. Hey, you have to come to play. We are not going to survive against a really, really good Detroit team. But that being said, folks, um, Shanahan, scary. <laughs> Purdy wasn't great. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was kind of invisible for a half, if not three quarters of this game. But you got the win. You can breathe. You can relax, and the San Francisco 49ers are going 
to the NFC Championship game, get to hoist and host an NFC Championship game, beat the Packers, get them out of here, shred some cheese, and hopefully next weekend we get to declaw the Detroit Lions. They ain't playing in Detroit. Eminem's not coming to Santa Clara. And if he does, we're going to show them what it means to play an elite level team. We know who Jared Goff is. We beat him too many times. Let's regroup and rekindle that magic and bring our A game this Sunday. But for right now, we escape the Green Bay Packers. Whew! Everything's okay. It's a victory Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then once Thursday hit, our eyes are towards the Detroit Lions. Celebrate now. Hopefully on Sunday, we're celebrating later as well. But look, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, not just the show, but also the heart-wrenching, gutted-out win it was against the Packers this past weekend. And look, if you want to follow along with the games with myself, follow us on social media. X or Twitter is 49ers underscore access. The Instagram is 49ers.access. Uh, Live game time updates, updates all week long. Is Debo Samuel going to play? You'll find out first on those platforms. If you want to go to this game this weekend, use our promo code 49ersaccess. 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. For Mick, for Rick, for people like Melvin McGee and Fluffy Ninja and Shane Dickerson, thank you for joining us in the comments. You guys are the best. Hope you have a wonderful week after shredding some cheese this past Saturday. My name is Sterling Bennett. Stay tuned for the preview podcast, preview show of Niners vs. Lions in the NFC Championship game with the chance to play either the Chiefs or the Ravens. The two teams that beat us the last two times we were in the Super Bowl. Can we beat the Lions and get some much needed and wanted revenge? Stay tuned for that. And until next time, stay faithful.